0: You're listening to episode number 89 of the Purpose Gathering podcast. In today's episode, I cannot wait to share with you the incredible conversation I had with my friend, Emily Perrin. Emily helps bloggers and online entrepreneurs expand and improve their teams with talented freelancers. So our conversation today is all about how to outsource and hire for your photography business. Now, her number one goal is to align the right person with the right role so business owners and freelancers alike feel empowered to work with their individual skill sets and strengths. Her expertise lies in hiring and managing your zones of genius. Now, Emily has a master's degree in industrial and organizational psychology and her bachelor's degree in psychology and English. So her professional background includes working in marketing, coaching, and organizational consulting. Her past work and education makes her so uniquely qualified to understand what business owners need help with and put systems in place to find the best person to fill that role. Are you ready to tap into Emily's incredible wealth of knowledge and start implementing some of her mindset shifts and strategies to help you get out of the overwhelm by hiring and outsourcing in your own photography business? If so, then let's get right into today's conversation. Hey mama, welcome back to the Purpose Gathering Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Freehan, And I'm here for all you mom photographers out there feeling overwhelmed trying to raise a thriving family and build a profitable business you love. I'm a business and motherhood coach, brand photographer, podcaster, wife, and homeschooling mama saved by grace. So I can totally relate to the never ending to-do lists, endless hours of editing, and the trail of messes strewn across the floor. Join me every week Hey, Emily. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you here today and cannot wait to talk to you about the topic of outsourcing and hiring support. But before we get started, I would love for you to just take a minute and introduce yourself to our listeners and let everyone know who you are, who you live with, and what you do.
1: Yeah, hi Ashley. It's so great to be with you today. And yeah, for those listening that haven't met me yet, I'm Emily and I live in the upper Midwest with my husband and my one-year-old son. And we also have a dog. <laughs> she's she's taken <laughs> the backseat though in the last couple of years. And then my work is really centered around helping entrepreneurs, especially digital entrepreneurs, bloggers, coaches, consultants. Uh, find and hire really amazing freelancers. And what I found interesting and why I was so excited to be um, to be talking with you, Ashley, is I also have a subgroup of photographers that follow me and engage, take my courses, things like that. So I always thought I think it's a funny a funny thing, but they really a lot of photographers really resonate with like what what I'm sharing and the processes that and
0: practices that I'm teaching about. I love that. And I think it's so hard as photographers to see that there could be help. (laughs) Like I know, especially as me, like as a mom photographer at the beginning stages, I always just thought like, oh, that must be nice. You know, like I never really thought that could be for me. So Mm -hmm. I would love for you to just start off by kind of diving into those mistakes that moms maybe make when they're first starting to outsource and hire support.
1: Yeah, I think one of the biggest mistakes comes from being both a mom and an entrepreneur is really along the lines of doing the things you can do. It's almost like the mistake is not realizing that you can get help because we're so capable. You know as moms, I think of everything I do because I can do it. Like someone has to do it. It has to get done. And entrepreneurship is so much that way too. Any any business owner, you know, a business owner in any industry is quite similar in that way where they do a lot of things because they have to. And I think this comes down to a couple of things. I think part of it is that we have to do it, right? There's just no one else to do the things. But then also I think we're also kind of wired that way. And and so as a mom and an entrepreneur, we get kind of a double whammy with
0: it of this capability, capableness. That totally makes sense. And I can totally attest to that because God has made us as women to be super Passionate about doing right, like we love to help, we love to be there for everyone. We've been given that heart and that gift, but it can also be a detriment sometimes to over give and overextend ourselves.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the other thing is just the another mistake that I see is just not being ready to let go of control. So, I, I see sometimes people they hire and then they're not willing to trust anyone else. They think they can do it better. Sometimes it's also just that still that mindset of, I can do it, so I shouldn't ask you to do it. Or even another mindset I see along these lines is that like, I'm not good at this. I don't like doing it, so I don't want to ask someone else to. But I think what we're missing as as moms and entrepreneurs is we're missing out on that opportunity to allow someone else to work with their their gifts, their talents, their experience, their interests, their passions. We're almost like robbing them of I mean that's kind of an extreme word, but you know, we're we're not providing an opportunity for someone else to be in in their zone of genius. We haven't really gotten into zone of genius
0: yet, but that's that's kind of where what comes to mind. Yeah, and that's definitely something that I've struggled with too. Of that releasing control, um, but I thought of another question as you were mm-hmm. as you were just going through that was I know that there's often this advice out there that you shouldn't hire someone to do something that you haven't fully figured out how to do yourself. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are about that, because like, for instance, what comes to mind is like bookkeeping or, Mm. you know, and maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves right here. So if so, we can we can table that for later. But I just feel like do you have some some thoughts about that statement? Yeah.
1: And I honestly have really mixed feelings about it because I think I think it depends like, what your intention is from that. Like, I think there's a point where it doesn't make sense for us to learn all the things. Like, you don't have to be able to do everything in your business. Yeah. And then on the other hand, I can also see, like, well, I've heard people talk about, um, you know, being taken advantage of when they, like, you know, you hire a Pinterest manager who then, like, takes advantage of you because you don't know like what needs to be done and you don't know enough about Pinterest to to be in that space and then you're wasting money. So I just think it's a balance. And I, I think it comes down to priorities. It comes down to the individual business owner, the you know, that entrepreneur and what their gifts and talents are and and whether it's worth their time to learn it first. So I think those are some of the things that that people should be thinking about before before they decide whether they're they're going to believe that or not, right? Because I think right. so, much of, so much of our business too comes down to that, you know, like what we say, like what you say it is, it is. So that's kind of yeah,
0: where I come from. I agree with that. It is kind of an it depends situation for sure. But thank you for giving us some more clarity about that. Um, because I too fall into that trap of feeling like, oh well, I have to learn how to do it perfectly before I can hand it off, and that's just mm-hmm. not always the case. So, well, and if
1: you think about freelancers too, I mean, that's what I'm specialized in is really on freelancers. And with freelancers, you're getting a specialist. So I don't think it makes sense for business owners to become experts in things they want to outsource. I, I, that's why I don't, I don't approach things that way. It, it doesn't work for me, but. That's where I'm like, well, it might work for someone else. That's okay. But that's,
0: that's what right. I think about that too. I agree. And just before we move on to the next question, were there any more mistakes you wanted to touch on?
1: I think those are the, the two big ones. I think we're going to get into okay. job post days. And so then there's like a whole host of mistakes that are connected to job post days. <laughs> I love it. But I, I think like we're not there yet. So I don't have any. Okay. I don't know more for me. Perfect.
0: Okay, so the next question I have for you is, what are some practical ways that our listeners can begin to shift their mindset and be more open to hiring that support? Yeah, so
1: I touched on this a little bit already when I said zone of genius, but we should really... I want to talk more about the four zones of work, which Zone of Genius is the top zone. Um, It comes from Guy Hendricks. He's a psychologist, and he wrote the book The Big Leap. And in that book, that book is not about the four zones of work. It's it's just a mention in there. There's a few pages on it. And I've just been so intrigued the last few years – and even before I was a career coach before I pivoted into recruiting and doing organizational strategy for entrepreneurs. I was a career coach before that. And so I was I was really interested in this topic then too. Okay, so I think of the four zones of work. I picture it like a pyramid and at the bottom of the pyramid is incompetence. So this is everything that you're not good at doing and it's pretty easy to identify these things. You know, there's lots of things we aren't good at. You know, a lot of people aren't good at like you know managing their website might be one like they might not be good at updating the plugins and and all of that the technical side writing code stuff like that so that's incompetence and that's the zone that's the easiest zone to outsource from because you don't you don't know that you don't know those things And then the second layer is the zone of competence. And this is what we've been talking a little bit about, that I can do it. So competence is really all the things that that you can do, but there are people who are better at them than you. There are people who have zone of genius where you have competence. And then the third layer is excellence. And excellence and genius, they are... They're close, right? They're similar, and I think there's subtle differences between them. So excellence is the stuff that you are better than most people at, uh, but it doesn't quite light you up. It doesn't give you energy. It, it's it's kind of draining. And then and then at the top of the pyramid is genius. And so this is you know your most specific, but this is where you know you're most passionate about. You have the most experience. You're you know, you're really in your zone. You're lit up. You feel alive when you do this work. That's that's the zone of genius at the top of the pyramid. And then the way I see it is if you can flip the pyramid upside down and think about that's how much time you should be spending in each of these zones. So you should spend the most amount of time in your zone of genius and then less and less time as you work your way down down the pyramid.
0: I love that. I've never heard of those four zones of work explained as a pyramid. And I think that makes so much sense. And then flipping it and pouring in all of your time where you're most well-suited. I love Mm -hmm. that so much.
1: Yeah, and it's truly, it is such a game changer when it comes to productivity and when you build your team with that in mind. So if you hire people who are in their zone of genius for the different tasks, this is why freelancers are so great because, because they are specialists. They should be in their zone of genius. And yeah, it's just, it's such... You get so much more, right? You get that's where you really get the efficiency from your pay, like from paying for someone else to do it because they're going to do it in a fraction of a time. I mean, if you're down on I can do this, and they're in their yep. genius on it, then you know, like you're going to spend a couple hours doing something, it's going to take them ten minutes. You know, so sometimes it's just absolutely the practicality side of that is pretty powerful.
0: Yeah. So how would you sort of recommend that our listeners go through this work and sort of start to prioritize? What if they don't even really know? I don't know what my zone Mm -hmm. of genius is right now. Yeah. So I love time tracking for this. So just keeping
1: track of your time. How are you really spending your time? And I think it's best if you can do it at least a week maybe two, and just notice throughout the day. I usually, when I go through this process myself to kind of check in, one of the things i do is i do 15 minute increments and i just think about it at the end of the day i kind of look back at the day and think okay what did i do each hour how was i spending my time and you can do this also like you can include your whole life in this it can be holistic you don't have to just track your work which you could do but i know a lot of times as moms and and photographers in particular you might not have a traditional you know 9am to 4pm schedule it might be you know you're working at night some you work in the morning some so sometimes it's broken up. That's why I like to have you track the whole day and then do it for a week and then start to notice which zone you're in. So categorize each of those increments, each of those activities into, into one of those four zones. And that's how you can really start to build awareness of what do you need to get help with and what where is your zone of genius lying? Like when are you feeling lit up and energized? And if you don't have that experience, then it's time to start exploring all right, it's time to make some real changes so that so that you know that you know that you are working in your zone of genius.
0: That's great. I love the idea of time tracking. That's something that I've done in the past but never like consistently. So sometimes it would just be like, "Oh, I wonder how long this task will take me." But then I sort of fell out of that habit, and I like kind of checking back in periodically you know, as you get faster, as you start to grow in your business, things shift and change. And, you know, what once may have lit you up might not anymore. So mm-hmm. your zone of genius can change, I'm assuming. Is that right? Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. And I would say I used to think that, I used to think it was stable,
1: but I I no longer think that way. I I, I think it it does evolve and change over time because I, I think like speaking versus writing for me is a good example. I My undergrad is in when i went to college i went for psychology and english so i'm a very good writer but it is so draining and i found over time speaking has become so much easier i love to speak i love to give presentations i love to do trainings i i love obviously i love podcast interviews i just love love speaking and talking but 10 years ago i wasn't that way i i i went through toastmasters i did a lot of public speaking training for several years to to light that up
0: That is so cool. And that's funny that you mentioned Toastmasters because I'm pretty sure I did that and I totally (laughs) forgot about it until just now. Yeah. That was so fun.
1: It was so fun. I loved it. I took it. I was in my corporate. I was like couldn't even speak in meetings. I was still in my corporate career phase and I wasn't – I was kind of going nowhere because I couldn't speak up. I couldn't like – share my ideas verbally and that's what brought me to toastmasters right. and and it's funny now i'm like oh it had really long term implications i never would have known i'd ever do a podcast interview when i when i started toastmasters
0: oh my gosh that totally makes me think of something else so another like popular sort of entrepreneurship mindset i feel like is well if you're not good at something you should you know just focus on the things you are good at But when it comes to things like public speaking or things that can grow and stretch you in multiple ways to make you a stronger, you know, entrepreneur, those are, I feel like the places that we need to lean in the most. I mean, you can't outsource your ability to speak. I mean, some people can, but Mm -hmm. we don't, we don't get that luxury, right? Yeah. So I think some things you do have to get a little bit uncomfortable as an entrepreneur. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Yeah, I do. And it's funny, I do agree with that because historically and typically I'm more of like in favor of, you know, focusing on your strengths. But if we never try things, if we never try things that are out of our comfort zone, we miss out on those opportunities to grow. So I think you're right. I think it's that getting away from that all or nothing way of thinking
0: uh, that that is really helpful. Yeah, I agree, too, because I feel like so many of my entrepreneurial years leading up to where I am right now has been sort of feeling stuck in that way. Like, oh, well, I just don't want to do business this certain way or, you know, I'm just I don't really want to get on video, you know, and just sort of Mm -hmm. holding myself back and finally getting to a point where I'm like, I'm really tired of holding myself back. Like, what would happen if I just tried? And things Mm -hmm. totally changed. So I think that's something that's so important for everyone listening to realize and understand is that it's time to stop holding yourself back. Exactly. Okay. So now that all these mamas listening are tracking with us and they're like, okay, cool. Like I'm ready to figure out my zone of genius and really think through what it might look to outsource. Where can these photographers start? How can they even begin to wrap their head around this?
1: Yeah, I think the first step is figuring out what, what you're going to outsource. So again, this is where going back to time tracking, that's where that can be really helpful because you're starting to notice what tasks you can outsource. And then from there, you could just you might have like a huge list of all the things you don't want to do or you know, you can't do because you don't know how to, but you've been wanting to and they're holding you back from growing. You know, you have that list. Then you start to look at, you know, which what kind of roles can you hire based on the tasks? And and it might take two or three positions to get it all covered because you want, you are looking for, when you use that zone of genius as the frame for, for hiring, you know, your zone of genius is your narrowest skill set. So uh you know to get people that are highly specialized like that it can take a couple different a couple different
0: positions to cover it that totally makes sense are there any um areas in which like you typically see photographers begin to outsource like what are some of their first hires
1: yeah a virtual assistant I mean that's everywhere, right? <laughs> the VA yep. role, and I have found it's really helpful. I think with photographers in particular, it can be helpful in terms of client communication and uh, you know scheduling and getting like getting things out or up. Like if you're if you're just not getting you know you know you have maybe like a new batch of. Uh, family sessions and they're not on your website so people can't see your work, then, you know, you can outsource that kind of stuff to a virtual assistant. My word of caution with this, with that though is like not to feel the pressure because it does feel like online it looks like everyone's hiring a VA and and so i think it's really important to make sure that that's the right role based on what you need done not to just go hire a virtual assistant because that's what everyone else is doing but it's really because that that's the kind of work that needs to be done
0: you'll you'll have the best success that way yeah that totally makes sense and i feel like when i started to step into that role of needing an assistant I started doing what you said and going through, it wasn't exactly time tracking, but more so just writing down a list of all the things that I had to accomplish every Mm -hmm. week, like on repeat, what are the things that I am continually doing that is sort of mundane, right? It's just part of the business. It doesn't change every month or every week. And I started thinking through, okay, what would it look like if someone else did this for me? And I just started even before I, you know, was for sure I was going to hire an assistant. I just started making a list of, mm-hmm. you know, new assistant tasks and just started putting things there that was this idea bank. So when I was ready to hire an assistant, I knew what I needed to look for. So I, I feel like that was really helpful.
1: Oh, that is so brilliant. And I love your focus on weekly. I usually recommend daily, weekly, and monthly. Those are the three areas to be looking at the stuff that you're
0: repeating the most because that's the easiest stuff to outsource is the, are those exactly. things. Exactly. And it's also like you said where you're spending the most time. And if it mm-hmm. is like writing out proposals or you know even editing, I know that's a big thing mm-hmm. for photographers too starting to outsource their editing, which I know is a sore subject with some photographers because they feel like, well, that's the creativity part that takes away, you know, my my creativity. But what's really cool that I have found when I outsource my photos is that they're not taking away their creativity because I've already done that creative part. Mm -hmm. The creative part is going out there with the client and capturing the memories and the moments. And then I get to put my you know editing stamp on a couple of key photos. And then when I send those out, they're editing to my exact style. So Mm -hmm. it saves me so much time, and also, as a photographer, we have really critical eyes, right? And mm-hmm. we notice things that other people are not going to notice. and so, if mm-hmm. we're able to hand that off and just you know send it off and give our clients a better experience of receiving their photos faster, like mm-hmm. in my opinion, it's worth the the release of control, yes, I completely agree, and that was the
1: second role I was going to mention was a photography editor,
0: oh, perfect,
1: yeah. And then the third one is also social media management can be a good one, depending on how you're connecting with your clients. If you are using, you know, Instagram or Facebook or TikTok or, you know, whatever you're using to reach new clients. Oh, I missed that. Sorry. What did you say? Oh, I just said all the things. Yeah, all the things. (laughs) All the places. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You can get someone that will help you like get your stuff scheduled or even having them put the put the posts together. Again, you can keep the fun parts if you like writing your captions or if you like picking the photos. You can you can decide what you outsource with regards to social media management. But I'm it's just been a super popular role this year all around. Like people are really getting it. I think in general, people are starting to not just default to a virtual assistant, but really start looking at what do I need support with? And social media management has really,
0: has really taken off this year. Oh, I love that. That is definitely something that is a struggle for a lot of photographers is finding that consistency and knowing how often do I post and when and where and how, you know, what do I say? How do I connect with my audience? Mm-hmm. So that is Something that is a full time job in and of itself. (laughs) Exactly. Hey, Mama. I wanted to take a quick minute to invite you to join us for a free masterclass called Productivity with Purpose. In this masterclass, I will be teaching you how to purposefully time block your schedule to achieve peace and productivity. You can expect to learn how to create a master task list and establish time blocks, how to assign the tasks and protect those time blocks, and how do you actually stick to the schedule you create. And then finally, we're going to be talking about how to eliminate distractions to get more done and less time. I don't want your calendar to control you anymore. So if you are ready to grab your free seat, head on over to the purposegathering.com productivity, and I can't wait to see you there. Okay. So I would love to kind of dive a little bit deeper now into after these photographers have started to figure out, okay, I have some things to outsource. I'm ready to hire, you know, whether it's an assistant or an editor or a social media manager or something else that we haven't mentioned, like how do they start with posting a job posting? Where's the best place? What's the, what's your advice on that? Yeah, so I think the most important
1: thing I always, whenever people ask me, where do I find these people? I always look at how they're going about it. And in particular, it it's the job posting itself. So a, a couple things that I typically see with job postings are they're either too vague, or they're expecting too much from one person, or they're trying to make the job sound fancier you know they try to fancy it up with with complicated yep. words but all three of those things are detractors for freelancers i have spent i am such a researcher i mean my background's in psych right i've got the undergrad i've got a masters in psychology and so i'm really into researching and so i have spent i mean just years really understanding what freelancers were looking for and what was attracting them to the job postings and so that those are some of the things they're looking for they're looking for specific do you know what your do you know what you need done? Because if you're writing two sentences and putting it in a Facebook group, you're not going to get the best people to apply. Because they know, they can tell. They can tell that you don't know what you need help with. And so you're not going to be the most attractive client to them. And then the other thing they're looking for is that they're they're wary of expecting too much from them. So typically freelancers, they know their zone. They know what they're good at. They know what they love. And and that's what they're bringing to market, right? They're bringing themselves. And, and so if you're asking, you know, for three or four or five, like if it looks like it's three or four or five jobs wrapped into one, they're not also not going to apply for that. So you need to be specific enough as well with in terms of the scope of the position itself uh, so that it is attractive. And then, and and then also just using language that's easy to understand. Uh, you know, freelancers—they're look. I mean, imagine how they're—you know—scrolling job boards. Let's say they're scrolling on Upwork is a really popular one that that I love. I do love Upwork, but let's say they're scrolling. I mean, there's tons of these positions that I'm talking about where they're vague, they're expecting too much, they're using super hard language. If I if they can't like know what you're talking about in five seconds, they're clicking off, right? They're not going to put any more time into your job posting because, because of complicated language. So I usually aim for about a third to fifth grade reading level on, on my job postings. And you can check that. There is a setting in Word and in Google Docs that will give you the reading level of your job posting. So you can make sure that it's kind of hitting it right. That's awesome. I've never heard of that before. Such a great
0: tip. Thanks. It's just like my nerdy side coming out. (laughs) I love that. So that is really like powerful, Emily, already just talking about getting the right people to apply because that is half the battle is, Mm -hmm. you know, you set all this up and then all of a sudden you get these horrible applicants and you're like, well, see, Mm -hmm. I'll just keep doing it myself. (laughs) Like, and that's why. Because we're not giving them clear to the point focused job descriptions. So I love that you point all that out. Yeah, exactly.
1: Because it doesn't, it does, yeah. It's just the job posting is like the core. I am, I was talking to you before we started recording how passionate I am about, how passionate I am about job postings now, because I really think it is the key to hiring a hundred, like a hundred million percent. <laughs> like there's. Well, like, and it's. You can't mess it up. If you get the job posting right, you can't mess up the rest of the hiring process. Because you know, you know we've all been employees. We've all, you know, you know the process. You know it's post a job, interview, you know, select, onboard. That, that's not the part people are getting, getting wrong with. It's really that yeah. if, if you don't get a good group of candidates, you can't, you, you're just, you're not setting yourself up for success.
0: Yeah, that totally makes sense. I was going to say, it makes me think of like the subject line of an email, Mm. how you have a few seconds to grab someone's attention for them to even open the email. And if your job description is not attractive, you're not going to get anyone to open the email. Like they're not even going to look, they're not going to stay around. So I feel like it's so important to have that. And that would be, I mean, don't you get that? Don't you basically get a subject line when you do a job posting of like the headline? What's the headline of your job posting? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, there's always a title or a
1: headline to it. It's like an email subject line that then they would click into further.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Cool. That is so much great information. So once they have the job description and they have the pool of people to actually start interviewing. Do you have any tips as far as, like, how do they go about the interview process? Do you have, like, a certain number of candidates you recommend they interview?
1: All right. So, yeah. What do I what do I recommend? How, how should you go about this? So, I think the first step is to actually is typically to use a work sample before you interview. So, I typically will do 8 to 10 candidates to To do a work sample because the thing with freelancers is they're good at applying for jobs. And so it can be hard to tell if they're going to be a good fit with you. And because they're typically doing some kind of specialized service like editing photos or responding to client emails, you can ask them to, to do a few of those things so you can see the quality of their work before you interview and it saves it saves everyone a lot of time because you can interview fewer candidates and then you also get some insight insight into how they would be to work with you and you can see if they they pick it up based on your instructions right like if they just knew what you wanted based on what you said that's a great sign that they're a good fit for you because they just intuitively understand you and not everyone not everyone can do that and that's okay. Oh my gosh, that's
0: so good. I love the idea of the work sample before the interview to really help weed out those people, like you said, who maybe just aren't the right fit, who maybe can't follow directions because <laughs> there are a few people out there that struggle with that. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. Well, I thank you so they much. This. No.
1: I mean, they can also right. say no to the work sample and then that's, or you don't hear from them. And then it's like,
0: great. Like this was really helpful. Like there was a reason we weren't
1: supposed to move forward together.
0: Yes. I love that. So before we end our conversation today and before I ask you to sort of tell us a little bit more about yourself and your services, was there any other thing that you wanted to end um, on with our listeners today?
1: Yeah. I think it's just the
0: encouragement
1: that outsourcing is not a quick fix. It is really a longer term investment and you are going to learn a lot and you might make some missteps. Like I don't know anyone who's hired that hasn't made some some mistakes along the way, like maybe you know pick the wrong candidate, but you can always start again. You can let someone go. You can, you know, kind of go back to the beginning, go back to the drawing board and start again because it really is worth figuring it out and and then of course like I'm here to support people with this like you don't have to do it alone and and it doesn't have to take as long as it did for me because I couldn't find anyone talking on this on this topic when when I was in my career coaching days and when I started hiring because there just isn't a lot of people out there that that are talking about this a lot of times they're helping you know bigger companies they're helping people find employees which and those are different those are it's a different type of worker
0: that does make sense and it's so nice to have you Emily this resource that people can reach out to when they do have questions about this so this is a perfect segue into telling us more about your services that you offer and how people can connect with you and how they can work with you. Yeah. So my signature
1: program is called The Hiring Fix, and it's really focused on fixing your job posting because the more the more I do this work, the more I know that that is the core problem, that if you can put together a really amazing job posting, you can run the rest of the hiring process. So that that's the, the program that I offer right now. And if you want to learn more about it, you can go to the hiringfix.co and, and check it out. I also have a mini version available at emilyparin.com slash mini course. It's a free course that walks you through in five emails the hiring process and gives you tips and tricks. It goes a little deeper than, than what we talked about here today. And then, of course, I'm available on Instagram as well at emily.perron. it's p e r r o n and i love taking questions over there honestly i really do love connecting with people over there and and enjoy enjoy that platform
0: the most so i'd love to see you over there Awesome. Thank you so much, Emily. I will be sure to link everything that you just mentioned in the show notes for easy access for our listeners. But thank you again so much for being here with us today and sharing with us this incredible insight and wisdom into the hiring process. Thanks, Ashley. Oh my gosh, you guys. That was such an incredible conversation with Emily. I so wish that we had that conversation before I hired my assistant, because I truly feel like it would have been so helpful for me to walk through some of those strategies. And I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited for you to leave this episode and start to take action Figure out your zone of genius. What are the tasks that you absolutely love? And what are those tasks that you dread? What are those tasks that you might be really good at, but they take a lot of your time and there's someone who could do them better? I am so excited for you to have this new clarity and this permission, if you need it, to step out of overwhelm and doing all the things by yourself And even just thinking about what it would look like to get some help. So whether this is your first hire that you're thinking about, or your second or third, or however many people you have on your team, just taking this first step is so important and I am so excited for you. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to take a screenshot of it, share it out on Instagram and tag me at The Purpose Gathering and emily at emily.perron, that's P-E-R-R-O-N, and share with us your favorite takeaway from today's episode. As I mentioned, I will be including all of the links in the show notes and some additional resources that Emily would love to share with you, so be sure to check that out. As always, Mama, I am here rooting for you, and you are not alone on this journey. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Purpose Gathering podcast. As we end our time together, remember that you were created for more. You can do hard things and life is about more than just surviving. So go out there and live your life with confidence and courage. To become a part of our free online community and connect with like-minded mom photographers, head on over to the purposegathering.com slash mamas. I'm so proud of you for listening and investing in your future. Together, let's link arms and make a lasting, positive impact on our families and communities. You've got this, girl, and I can't wait until next time.